Morning, everybody. Right, you've got your holiday weekend look about you. You know, holiday weekend, we're all sort of a little bit quieter and a little bit more mellow. And then you look around, there's a few gaps because some of the people you normally see are not here. Uh, I'm going to totally ignore the holiday weekend vibe. I, uh, I want to begin with a little bit of boasting. May I boast? May I also bribe you? I've got a chili bin full of filleted snapper fillets here. Who would like some? Yep, okay. Well, uh, what's going to happen? Jared and, so they're in, they're in four bags of four big fillets each. At the supermarket, those would cost you about 50 bucks each. And um, Jared and Ashley have already, um, they've already uh, put their name on one. So there's three more. And they're going to be at the information desk down there in return for a donation to the Kristen Williams boat. No, 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 no. In return for a donation to the outreach at the school. All right. So you don't have to put in 50 bucks. You can put in, if you know, it's whoever's first, first three with a donation. Your donation can be 50 cents if you feel that's okay, or it can be $5,000 if you feel that's okay. And I feel that's okay. Anyway... So look at this, look at this big chili bin full of fish. You want to see what's in it? They're all filleted, so they haven't got faces anymore. But see, look at that. No, no. Yeah, I'm sorry, I left the eyeballs behind. I didn't think, the, I didn't think people would want the eyeballs. Bible says, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. I went fishing yesterday, not expecting to catch anything, and caught more than Ian did the day before. These are, import, these are important things. These are important things. Hey, there was two of us fishing. Hey, do you kids want to see this? Come in close, I'll show you this video. This is, this is Josiah catching one of the fish. So this is one of the fish that's in that chili bin. Look at that, it's pulling pretty hard, isn't it? Isn't it a shame the adults can't see it? Look at that, see that guy there? Hey, 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 hey. It's Mr. McCormick behaving badly back there. Look at that guy. So Elijah still wants to touch the eyeballs of the fish. Okay, so in a minute, uh, my friend Tristan is going to be helping me with something. But uh, we are going to do, Ian. <laughs> oh, that's a trout. No one wants that. And actually, it was really nice out there. It was surprising. We were just trying to get out before the weather went pear-shaped, and we got out there, and it was just beautiful. So um, we are, the next three weeks, we're actually going to do um, a series, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit why we're going to do the series in a minute, and there's going to be a few pictures that are going to appear up there. But while we were singing before, um, when Lynn was leading us in singing, we'll enter in as the wedding bells ring, your bride will come together and we'll say you're beautiful, I had my eyes closed, and it was like I immediately saw a picture of the end of um, the Dawn Treader Narnia movie where you see Aslan's land on the horizon. Do you remember that movie? Yeah, that's my favourite one, because it's got a boat in it. <laughs> and I was just thinking about Aslan's land. I was thinking about forever, thinking about heaven, thinking about one day from the perspective of heaven, 
we'll see all this from that perspective of eternity. Aslan's land. Between now and then, we have no idea what God is capable of doing. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, he says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into anyone's heart what the Lord has in store for those who love him. You know what I believe? I believe between now and when Jesus splits the sky and returns to the earth, I believe that we will see another great awakening. I believe that we will see another great awakening, not just in other countries, but even here in our country. And I was thinking this morning, you know, the, as the, the Welsh revival, it began with children. The first sign of the Welsh revival was 12 children who responded and gave their hearts to the Lord. And then it became, over the next three months, 20,000 children who became followers of Jesus. And then it spread around the whole country. There was also a revival in a place called Azusa Street in downtown Los Angeles. And that revival was marked by people of different races praying and worshipping together in a time when you weren't really allowed to do that. In fact, it became incredibly controversial because you had African Americans and white European Americans standing side by side, and some people got very upset about that. That tells you what God thinks about racism. Lewis Island... That was God responding, not just, but primarily to the prayer of two old ladies. Two old ladies prayed. There were others who were praying, but particularly these two old ladies, and God said, right, and he responded. Or the Jesus revolution. There were a bunch of people in a very difficult time in America who were praying that God would pour out his spirit, and God answered by pouring out his spirit on who was considered to be the most corrupt and dodgy and messed up group that were anywhere, the hippies. And thousands and thousands of hippies became followers of Jesus. Then God poured out his spirit in Toronto. And boy, oh boy, did that upset the church. Because all of a sudden people were laughing and there was joy. And some people didn't think there should be joy in the church. How ridiculous. They were offended that people were laughing and enjoying being close to God when the Bible says his presence is full joy. And then there was this one in Brownsville. And Brownsville was marked by people literally sprinting, running to the altar. Hundreds of people running to the altar. In fact, I was talking to Michael Livengood, who's here a couple of weeks ago. He went there and he saw people running down to the altar in this church. And I absolutely believe that that's what, not necessarily that, but we will see God do something in our day. And I'll tell you why. Can I have my first, my first picture? Okay, so this is what we're doing today. So we're doing this thing. I felt like the Lord told me to call it Firefall, and I thought I didn't want to do that because that's a copy of a name of a conference in Auckland. But I felt like he said that's what you call it. So today is about con courageous confrontation. Now, can I have the rainbow picture? I was at Whangamata a couple of weeks ago. Um, it was a good, good place to be. The day before I went for this walk, I'd had a tooth pulled out, and actually the dentist broke my jaw, which was not ideal. So I, uh, I went for a walk, 
and, uh, and I was walking down the beach, right down to the end of Whangamata, and I was just walking along, had my little headphones on, and I was shundibundying, and I was praying, and I turned around, and as I began to walk back, it started to rain, so I wrapped myself up in my jacket, and I was walking along, and I was thinking about uh, the song that I was listening to, which was about being hungry for God, and I turned around, oh, I felt like the Lord said, turn around, and I turned around, that's what I saw. God always keeps his promises. He doesn't often keep them the way we think he should. In fact, often we get offended when he keeps his promises because we thought he should do it a different way. God always keeps his promises. The Old Testament finishes with a promise. Here's the promise. How many of you have ever had God keep a promise, but it wasn't quite how you expected? How many of you have ever had God keep a promise and it was exactly how you expected? Couple? More hands went up the first time. How, let's do this again. How many have had God keep a promise and it wasn't how you expected? How many of you have had God keep a promise and it was how you expected? Okay, it does it both ways, but do you notice there's about a three to one ratio I can't think of a time when he kept a promise as I expected. I think I've always been shocked. I find God shocking. Hmm? Hmm. I think he's shocking. Hmm. Here is this last promise of the Old Testament. You ready? Malachi 4. You know what's coming? Or did he just, did he just do something funny? Mm. Yes, little brothers, Malachi, yep. Yes. It did. You know, when I first heard about Malachi, they told me it was Malachi, the Italian prophet. Turned to the book of Malachi. I was like, what? How many of you thought the book of Job was the book of Job? I did. The book of Job. It's, I thought it was Job. You know, if you need a job, you turn to the book of Job because that's where they are. I don't know. Okay, here is this closing promise. Okay, promise. The Bible says this. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons and daughters and the sons and daughters to the fathers lest I come and strike the land with a curse. Now, one time I preached on this and I said fathers and mothers and Howard corrected me and he rightly did because I, when I looked at it, the word for fathers is not fathers and mothers, but the word for children is sons and daughters. Specifically says the hearts of the fathers are going to be turned to the sons and daughters. I think that's important because I actually think that mum's hearts tend to be turned towards the children anyway. It's dads that get this wrong more often than the mums. So he says, before the Lord returns... Elijah is going to come. Now, we've got an Elijah sitting here. How many of you know someone called Elijah? Have any of you met people that think they are Elijah? I've met lots of them. Did I tell you the story about Elijah wearing tank, a tank top and board shorts? Can I, tell you, can I tell you the story of Elijah wearing tank top and board shorts? We were having a worship time, and some of you have heard the story. The worship team were going and 
uh, and I'm sitting dutifully in the front row right here, and the worship team are playing. We've got, I don't know, were you at this one, Ken or Alana, up at um, Snell's Beach? Were you there when Elijah turned up? You weren't Elijah? No, Ken wasn't Elijah. So anyway, we've got the worship going, and, uh, and I'm just there worshiping. And then I notice the worship leader, he's looking at me like with big wide eyes, like trying to get my attention. And I'm looking at him, and he's trying to communicate with me. And I'm like, what's going on? What I didn't see is walking down the aisle was a man with a guitar wearing a tank top and board shorts and bare feet. And he's strumming the guitar, and the worship team don't know what to do. And, and I'm not picking up the signals, and so the worship just comes crashing to an awkward stop. And now all we can hear is him strumming his guitar. And he's singing, Elijah is coming. Elijah is coming. Elijah is coming. He gets to the front and he turns around, stops strumming, lifts his hands and says, Elijah is here. (laughs) Tasha and I met Elijah's wife. She was living on Great Barrier Island. She was an odd lady also. I've met lots of Elijah's. The promise is that Elijah will come, but here's what I believe. I don't believe it's an individual Elijah wearing a tank top and board shorts with a guitar. Mm -hmm. Nor do I believe it's the man that was married to Elijah's wife that we met on Great Barrier Island. Have you ever had God set you up? I didn't know Elijah's wife was there, and I preached a message on Elijah. And then Elijah's wife came and gave me what for afterwards. Can I have my Elijah picture? This is me and Isaac at a place called Muraka on Mount Carmel in Israel. And this is supposed to be one of the places like, you know, that where maybe Elijah called down fire from heaven, which is what we're going to talk about today. That place had a prayer room where they've been praying, looking over the Valley of Jezreel, which is the Battle of Armageddon happens there. They've been looking over that valley praying for 1,200 years. I believe that the Elijah that's coming is not an individual, but it's an Elijah church, and we see in the life of Elijah a prototype for what the church is going to look like between now and when Jesus splits the sky. Peter Robertson put it this way, a church that will become to its nation exactly as Elijah was to Israel, And I felt like the Lord said to me way back in 1998, I felt like he said, I will again show myself to be the God who answers by fire before the final day. Now that sounds pretty scary and pretty outrageous. So we're going to have a look at this God who answers by fire. You ready? Are you ready? Okay. So Tristan, are you ready? You're going to come and read this for me? Okay, come on, man. Let's welcome Tristan as he comes to read. Have you got your Bible or do you want to use mine? Do you want to use that? I haven't got my Bible. I think it's in the car. There we go. There it is there. All right? Where? Can I borrow your beanbag while you read? Sure. Oh, you were sharing. I'm going to just get my own beanbag. So from here? So, oh, the, okay. Can you read those over? I don't know where to read. <laughs> Start from there. Oh, all the way at the top. Okay. Start with so A. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal 
um, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it, and I will, pe- I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then your God will... Then you will call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which was given to them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped out about the altar which they had made, and so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out of them. When midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, and no one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near me. Um, so all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the Lord, or the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel should be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar that in the name of the Lord, and he had made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and poured on the burnt sacrifice on, and on the wood. Then he said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with the water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of, the, of this evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord. Hear hear me, and this people may know, these people, they they know that you are the Lord God. 
and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it looked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized him. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. That was awesome. That was a long, you didn't know it was going to be that long, eh? That was some top class reading. Okay, so courageous confrontation. Let's have a look quickly at what Elijah did. Did you enjoy, did you enjoy reading that? Yeah. It's a bit hard though, eh? it's quite long. Number one, Elijah confronted the people. Verse 21, Elijah came to the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. This was the first confrontation. And here's the confrontation. He was saying, the true God won't share your love and worship with the devil. He's saying you have to choose. You can't have a foot in both camps. You have to choose. So he confronted them and he said, the true God will not share your love and your worship with a false God who is the devil. Agreed? Number two. He confronted the devil prophets. Verse 24. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people said, it is well spoken. So they're like, this is a good idea. Let's do this. All right. So here's what he said. He said, you call on your God, and I'll call on my God. And the God who answers by fire, he is the Lord. Notice this. He didn't say, hey, you, come to Mount Carmel. I'm going to beat you up. He said this. He said, you call on your God, I'll call on my God. Do you know what this is like? It's like Elijah was saying, my daddy is bigger than your daddy. Now, I can remember... When Josiah, our now 23-year-old son, we used to live in a street that had some kids across the road that he would play with, but he didn't really like them very much. And I remember there was this one time I was standing in the drive, and they couldn't see me, and they were, they were this kid across the road, they were having a bit of an argument, the kid across the road says, well, my daddy's bigger than your daddy. Now, in actual practicality, he wasn't. Like, he wasn't, he had quite a small daddy. And I'm not, you know, I'm not being sizest. I was just, the reality was, it wasn't true. And, and, and I remember Josiah, who was about eight at the time, going, no, he's not. And this other kid said, well, my daddy will beat your daddy up. And then Josiah got into it. It's like, no, my daddy will whip your daddy's backside. You know, and they, they, they got into it. course that's not the right way of going about it because the bible says our battle's not in flesh and blood not against flesh and blood and so this is what elijah said he didn't say me versus you and i'm going to talk about that in the moment because the church keeps making that same mistake he said this he said my daddy is bigger than your daddy number three mockery 
And so it was that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is meditating or he is busy or he's on a journey or he is sleeping and must be woken up. Do you want to know something really funny about this? When Elijah mocked them, one of the ways, if you, if you look at it in the language that it's translated from, one of the ways is Elijah said, I think maybe he's in the toilet. He's in the bathroom and you better call him from the bathroom. So Elijah, he wasn't intimidated or fearful. These guys would have looked pretty scary. He wasn't intimidated or fearful because he was trusting in the Lord. And so he mocked them. And then look at this. No one was home. So the prophets of Baal, the devil prophets prayed and called and danced and jumped and cut themselves for hours trying to get God to answer them. This went on for hours. When midday was passed, they prophesied into the time of the evening offering, until the offering of the evening sacrifice. Hours. But listen to this. There was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. That's dreadful. There was no answer. There was no one home. They rang the doorbell and no one was home. But we have a God who hears us. We have a God who hears us. We have a God who doesn't always answer in the way that we think, but the true God hears us. And can I tell you what I think? I think the church has forgotten that. I think we've forgotten that we have a God who hears us. I think we have forgotten the fact that we have a God who listens and who hears and who acts on our behalf in accordance with his character and his nature. The prophets of Baal looked scary and intimidating till no one answered. And then it was Elijah's turn. Tristan just did a far better job of reading this than I'm going to. But here is verse 38 and 39. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah said, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, that the people may know that you are the Lord God and that you've turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. So when Elijah's turn came, here's what he did. He set up the altar in a way that honored the Lord. The word of the Lord, the traditions of Israel. He set it up with the 12 stones. He set it up exactly as it was supposed to be. And then he said this. He said, Lord, that the people would know that you are who you say that you are. I feel undone by this. Think about this for a moment. The prophets of Baal rang the doorbell for hours and there was no one home. Elijah rang the doorbell and God answered with fire from heaven that fell and consumed the sacrifice. And look at the people's response. 
The people's response was not, wow, that's awesome. The people's response was not, ah, that's terrifying. The people's response was this, the Lord is God. You want to know something pretty trippy? The name Elijah means the Lord is God. Elijah was made and named for this moment in time, I believe. I believe this was a moment when Elijah was probably aware. Well, how many of you have times in your life where you wonder if God really does have a plan? Just the three of us. How many of you ever have a time when you look at your life and you go, really, there's a plan? Is it just Elijah and Tristan and I that know that? How many of you... I tell you what, I spent some time wondering that over the last three years. I think Elijah was probably wondering it too, as the prophets of Baal were rampaging and Jezebel and Ahab were destroying and the people were turning away. And sometimes we, we can look at our nation and go, we're teaching our kids what? And, and, and now what is normal and, and this and that and the other thing? But in this moment when the people said, the Lord, he is God, they would have literally been saying, Elijah, the Lord is God. And I reckon in that moment, Elijah was like, I know that this is what I was born for, to turn the people back to God. Elijah was born for that in his time. Listen to me very carefully. I believe there's an anointing on this statement. And we are born for that in our time. Not to turn people back to church, to turn people back to the Lord. That the people of Tauranga, the people of New Zealand, as there is an Elijah church that knows how to ring the doorbell and find an answer. They'll say, the Lord, he is God. Here's where we've got it wrong. Our confrontation has gone wrong. It's been like this. It's been us lot versus you lot. We are right and you are dumb. Hmm? I know you're not. I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm saying it's dumb to say that. I'm glad you're not dumb, and I'm glad you're named Elijah. In fact, my prayer for you, Elijah, is that you will grow up with a family around you and people around you that constantly remind you that this is what you're born for. I pray that the Lord Jesus will know many people. Many people will know him because of you. And I pray that the devil will get a whipping all the days of your life because you love Jesus. I feel like I want to stamp my feet and jump up and down about that. Confrontation has gone wrong when we get into accusation and argument. Do any of you ever talk to your television? I often talk to my television. Do any of you ever talk to your television when the news is on? Who, who are the television talkers? I often talk to my television. And I've got convicted because instead of saying things like this to the television and whoever's on it, you're a liar, which is what I've sometimes done. I've had to go, actually, no, I've got to take the accusation out of that and say, I believe that is untrue. I still get it wrong occasionally with outbursts. I believe that our confrontation has gone wrong when we just default to political activism. 
when it becomes all about politics, when it becomes all about political activism. I believe that our confrontation has gone wrong when we do this. We become like the child putting fingers in our ears and just going la 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 la, trying to ignore what's going on. I believe it's confrontation has gone wrong when anything is coming out of fear or offense or arrogance. The nature of our confrontation is this. My daddy, big D, is bigger than your daddy, little d. Our God, big G, big G, is bigger than your God, small g. Huge G and no G. Our God is bigger than your odd. <laughs> and tell you one more story and then we're going to finish up. My daddy is bigger than your daddy. I'm not saying you versus me. I'm saying this is the nature of the confrontation of the people of God in this time. If we go out there just with a weird, accusing, politically motivated, crusading attitude, We've missed the whole point. Our confrontation is that the God who answers, oh, but the God who answers by fire, he is the Lord. Some of you have heard this story too. It's an old story, but it's a good one. It must have been about 1999, 2000. I was speaking to a group of young people at Bethany Park in Kaiteriteri. And there are a whole bunch of young people that had come from various youth groups, and um, I was talking to them, and to be honest, they really were making it clear they were not enjoying it. Some of them were waving at me, but not using their whole hand, and various other things were going on. So it was very clear they weren't enjoying it, and to be honest, I wasn't enjoying it. I was just getting quite annoyed while I was talking to them. And so finally I was like, this is ridiculous. So I said this to them. I said, this is ridiculous. You're not enjoying this. And they were like, yeah, this stinks. And I said, I'm not enjoying this either. So I said this to them. I said, I dare you to come to the front and I'll prove to you that God is real right now. <laughs> you ever had that thing where something came out of your mouth? And you're like, ah. <laughs> 120 of them came and stood at the front at Kaiteri Terry Bethany Park, standing there like this, chewing their gum. And, you know, they're just looking at me like, hmm. And so all the youth leaders that were there, they were looking at me like, what did you do, you idiot? They're looking at me, you know, like, oh, I said, well, just start praying for them. So we start praying for them. And I walk up to the first person and I put my hand on his head and he just goes splat on the floor under the power of God. Now, no, we had no catches. That's the good thing about young people. They, they bounce. No catches. And so every person we pray for, they're just going splat, splat on the ground as the power of God's hitting them. These are kids that are totally skeptic. And then I come up to this one girl, she's about 14 or 15, and I go like this, and I put my hand towards her head, and it gets to about there, didn't even touch her, and she yells out at the top of her voice an inappropriate word and crashes on the floor. Now, when that happens in a room, everybody's like, whoop. To look, and I was just like, you know, we carried on. And about 15 or 20 minutes later, forgive me for those of you that have heard this before, it's a fun story. About 15 or 20 minutes later, this girl is leaning against the wall, she's sitting against the wall, and she's sort of looking quite weird. 
And she looks at me and she's pointing. She says, hey, you, come over here. And I'm still feeling a little bit snotty from the, you know, from the preaching experience. So I look at her and say, no, you, you come here. <laughs> and so she gets up and she walks over. And this is how she walks. She walks over to me kind of like this, like she can't really walk very well. And she stands right in front of me and she says, what the heck was that? I said, that was God. She said, I don't believe in God. I said, well, that was him. I said, do you want to have another go? She says, no. I said, I dare you. <laughs> so I go like this again. And I get right to about there. And the power of God hits her. And again, she falls on the floor. And she's lying on the floor with her eyes as wide as they can go. And she says, what's happening to me? I says, that is the power of God. She says, I don't believe in God. I said, well, either he's real or you've gone bonkers. And she lay on the floor and she actually gave her heart to the Lord and got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues on the floor. Now, I went back to Auckland and about a month later, I got a letter from her that was a written, handwritten letter. You know when people used to write with these pens and they used to fold it and they'd put the paper in this envelope and they'd lick it. She sent me a letter. She'd gone back to her school, Golden Bay College in Tarkica. And she'd led a whole bunch of her friends to the Lord exactly the same way. She'd basically gone to them and said, do you believe in Jesus? And they're like, no. Nope. She said, well, I dare you. <laughs> and a whole bunch of her friends had become followers of Jesus, not because she convinced them, but listen, because her daddy, Big D, do you know, right now, this city is full of questions. What's the point? Am I going to die from this sickness? How do I have a home that I want to go home to that's not all full of contention? What's happening to my children? How am I going to pay my bills? We have a whole city. We have a city full of questions. And the answer is not for us to just go out there with a bumper stick and going, Jesus is the answer. I hate that bumper sticker. Forgive me. If, I hate it. If you've got it, forgive me. But I hate it. Do you not believe Jesus? Of course I believe Jesus is the answer. But where is the demonstration of my daddy is bigger than your daddy? My God is bigger than your questions. My daddy is bigger than that rubbish stuff that the evil one is pouring into your house. Where is the church walking in the power and authority of God that can only rest on a church that is full of people who are radically humble, radically broken, radically willing to say, God, we've got no other options aside from you bringing the fire. All we've got is a dead cow sitting on an empty altar. Because that's all we got. So back to Malachi, Malachi, Malachi. I believe the last Elijah church is born for the same thing. To turn the hearts of the people back to the Lord. Now I don't know about this hearts of the fa I don't know much about this hearts of the fathers being turned to the children and vice versa. I just know that something weird's been happening in me where I'll be in a shopping mall and I'm just, I'm just so drawn to the kids. I just, I can't help it. 
It's not something I decided. I'm not like, oh, I think it'll be cool to be interested in kids. It's just happened. It's gone crazy. Tell you what, they've got the best seats in the house too. That beanbag's pretty comfortable. See, I put the two together and now Tristan, oh no, she's flogged him now. You had two and now she's flogged the other one. I believe that we will again see God answer by fire. Not necessarily the fire that falls on a sacrifice, but the fire of his love and his power and his devil-melting, devil-smashing authority. I believe that we will again see the power of the, the fire of the power of God fall and we will see awakening. And it might shock and scare the hell out of the church, but bring it on. I don't think it's necessarily going to look like Brownsville or look like Toronto or look like Azusa, but I think it will have characteristics of all of that. And I believe this is what we're born for. And you may or may not be able to feel it or experience it, but I'm telling you there is anointing on this. So would you mind standing up? Ian and, Ian and I sat out at um, Mount Monganui a while ago, and we're just sitting there on a park bench looking out to sea, talking about uh, why we were not fishing. It was a beautiful, calm day, and we were on land, not on water. And then he just made this comment, which is something that had been going around in my head at the same time. He said this, he said, there is a cloud the size of a man's fist on the horizon. Because right after this confrontation with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, there was the cloud the size of a man's fist. After three years of drought, there was a little cloud on the horizon that was drought-breaking rain. And there is again the cloud the size of a man's fist on the horizon. How many of you are really hungry for more of God? Keep your hand right up high. Look up. Look around. That's part of the cloud the size of a man's fist. Who's just willing, even desperate, to go where we've never gone before? Who's, you know, when people say after the lockdown, let's get back to normal, how many of you are like, why? <laughs> Who's done with normal? I'm so done with normal. We want God. And do you have anything to add to that about the cloud the size of a man's fist? I feel like the anointing's on you. Yeah. Elijah sent his servant out seven times. Imagine if he'd gone out the first time and gone, nope, nothing there, and Elijah had just moved on. He sent him out again. Nope, nothing there. Sent him out again. Sent him out again, sent him out again, sent him out again. Ah, oh, there's still nothing there. Ah, oh, this is a waste of time. Let's flag it. Sent him out the seventh time. There is a cloud the size of a man's fist. And Elijah's response was, well, that's not very important. He said, you go tell Ahab, there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Oh, my gosh. Are you able to, well, we can't really get that onto there, can we? Oh, there's, tech, there's technological things happening at the back to try and put this on the screen. I like the fire up there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Do any of you feel like, I, as I'm standing here, I feel like I'm standing in uh, uh, a moving river? Do any of you feel anything around your legs? I feel anointing around my legs.
No one else? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You feel that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> That's the regional boundaries of the Bay of Plenty. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look at it. It looks like an angel. Thank you, Lord. So here's what I think. Can I tell you this weird thing? And some of you might think this sounds really weird and you might think it's the weirdest thing you've ever heard from a church pastor. On one hand, I have no idea what's going on. On the other hand, I have never been so convinced that we are right on track with where God wants us to be. Tasha and I arrived in the city nine years ago tomorrow. In the whole time that Hope Center has existed, I've never been more convinced that we are on track than right now. And I've never had less idea of what's going on than I do right now. (laughs) But we live in a region whose boundaries look like an angel. And we are living in a time when the Elijah church will emerge saying, not us versus you, but my daddy is bigger than your daddy. And we have a God who will again answer by fire because the devil will simply not have his way unencumbered and unhindered in our land. We have a God who hears us. When the prophets of Baal knocked, there was no answer. No one paid attention. But we have a God who hears us. And we have a God who's moving. And appropriately, it's just begun to rain. So we thank you, Lord. Just turn your attention on him. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray, Lord, today that you would release a portion of what you're doing in this room to every part of this family that's not here today also. That your blessing and your hand would be upon every family and every person that is away. Some of them are away on holiday. Lord, bless their holiday and Lord, let them have a portion of this also. For every person that will stumble across this possibly slightly odd podcast, Lord, I pray that they would not just hear it, but that there would be anointing released as they hear. And Father, for us in this room, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, release your anointing, release your presence. Let your anointing become so strong. It is thoroughly and totally unbearable to every work of the evil one in Jesus' name that we would be so anointed and so filled and so uh, relying on you and prepared for the days that are ahead. We thank you, Lord, that you will again show yourself to be the God who answers by fire. And we thank you, Lord, that the people will again say, the Lord, he is God. We thank you for the calling forth of the Elijah church for the end days. Lord, may we walk in the fullness of what you have for us in Jesus' name. I ask now, Lord, let your anointing just be released over every person in this room. In tangible ways, from the youngest to the oldest, each person in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that no hindrance would stand in the way. Thank you, Lord, that no obstacle would stand in the way. Lord, thank you for for us laying down our relying on our own ideas. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that Aslan's land is drawing near and between now and then you're going to pour out your spirit. Father, have your way in us. Have your way in this city. 
Have your way in us. Have your way in this city. Thank you, Lord, for anointing coming on us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence increasing in Jesus' name. Fire fall down. Thank you, Lord, for your hand. Lord, I pray even a double portion for Tristan as he read the word to us today. Fill him with your spirit that he would walk in your ways with a burning heart in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, more of your presence, more of your presence, God. Thank you, Lord, more of your presence. Thank you, Lord, more of your voice. Thank you, Lord, more of your voice. Thank you, Lord, more of your healing power being released. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for fire falling and igniting our hearts with burning. We thank you, Lord, for healing. We thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord in Jesus' name being released powerfully and clearly in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, that ones amongst us like Marianne would be saying like Jeremiah of old, God's word is in my heart like a fire. Shut up in my bones. I'm weary of containing it. Indeed, I cannot. Fire in your bones, Marianne. Fire in your bones in Jesus' name. Fire in your bones in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 